Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And people, there's a movie now called The Invisible Man that you have to stop everything and see right now. Well, not right now. You're going to listen to us talk for a few minutes. <laughs> but it is so good, and it's one of the best performances ever given by my guest, Elizabeth Moss. Thank so you. So welcome. That's so nice welcome. of you. Well, it's easy when it's true. <laughs> you know, it is. Did you have a good feeling when it was done and you looked at it? Did you say, all this torture they put me through was worth it? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched a, uh, an earlier cut of the film um, in, a, in a screening room in New York by myself. And I was. it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, phew. Like, it worked. Because when you're making a film like this... It's not. It's not a gigantic budget. It's not like it's a lot of you know not a lot of VFX, but there's VFX elements, and so you're never quite sure what it's going to turn out to be. It's a crazy story. Talk a little bit about it because what's amazing to me is the Invisible Man really isn't about the Invisible Man. It's about someone he's victimized. Yeah. And that flip of the focus. Yeah. Has changed everything well, in that terms was, of how we look at it. Yeah, well, that was all Lee Wano. <laughs> um, I believe the story goes that they asked him, "What would you do with the Invisible Man?" They sort of brought him the property, and he just off even the top of his head was like, "I think I would tell it from the perspective of the victim," and that's the movie that we have today. So it was it was his idea completely. Well, I'd never seen a movie like this before where the villain is actually toxic masculinity. Yeah, and, yeah. And the reverberations that come from that. Yeah. I don't want to be in, in a spoiler territory. No, it's interesting, So I'm right? going to make you do it, and then if people are angry... They'll they be mad at me? Really that makes sense. <laughs> it's not fault. No, but just describe this character you play. Yeah. Who's... I play... Um... A woman named Cecilia, who we see at the beginning of the film, is seems to be escaping a house and a man. And then we find out that she's actually getting out of an incredibly abusive relationship. Um, her husband, sorry, boyfriend, uh, ends up committing suicide. But she continues to believe that she's being terrorized by him. And um, everyone thinks she's crazy. No one believes her. And then... And then, and, and then, then, and then, well, and then. he is an optics engineer. Yes, you know, so he's somebody that would know about what this is. Yes, yes. But what's fascinating about it that I think we can talk about it, and women go through this constantly, yeah. is that when they feel that they've been abused, everybody's saying, "I need evidence." Sure. I need to see it. Yep. So if it's an invisible entity, yep, which could be real in the movie, or could be sometimes what a woman who's been abused goes through. Absolutely. And how that doesn't ever leave your head. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right, Peter. That's, thanks right, for saying we're that. Done. We're good. That was great we're good. That, that was great. Nice <laughs> to see you as always. Just <laughs> have some popcorn <laughs> and I'll go like, home. Um, <laughs> no, no, you're but, exactly right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's twofold. It's not only an analogy for gaslighting and for a woman not being believed, but it's also a metaphor for how hard it is to let go of that toxic relationship and the trauma that still exists uh, in a man or a woman as they carry that around. And that you can't just, oh, well, I'm out of it now, so everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some damage that's been done. Yeah. And uh, we definitely deal with that in a, in, a, you know, in a metaphorical way in the movie. In terms of this society that we're in now, it's, isn't it really speaking to it directly? Yeah, In absolutely. the guise of a horror film? 
Absolutely. I think all great horror films are like that, though. You know, they all have a metaphorical kind of thing going for them. The Shining, there's like nine million ideas of what that movie actually means. Um, Exorcist or even a movie like... um, you know, gravity or something. In any genre film, it tends to have a an idea that's bigger than just the bells and whistles around it. I think it's a way of making a film like this, a genre film, really speak to something deeper and 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 be much more interesting. And it is. It's a mind teaser. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a horror film. It's I kept, scary. I kept yeah. thinking <laughs> of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the first one. <laughs> That was done in the 50s, uh-huh. and it was basically subtextually about McCarthyism right. and people being, in America, turning into such conformists right. that they would go along with what anybody would say. Absolutely. Here, it's so much about women being believed, yep. being heard, and being believed, yeah. which is it. Yeah, it's you know? really it's really interesting. You're ab- No, you're absolutely right. I mean... For me, it's one of those ideas that you're when I when I read the script, I kind of was like, God, I wish I'd thought of this. Like this is so so great and it's so relevant and almost seems so obvious now, you know. Well, I don't think it's obvious because we're just getting to the point where people so. are recognizing. We may not what have been is. able to do this a decade ago. And I think the sense of invisibility is that means there's something else mm-hmm. that's spiritual or something in our heads mm-hmm. that Haunt us absolutely. So absolutely. that's it. What were your favorite horror films like that? Uh, I mean, I love The Shining, yeah. obviously. There's a lot of recent ones I really like. I love Quiet Place. I love Jordan's films. You know, Get, Get Out, Out and Us. Um, I loved Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Midsummer is technically a horror film, but oh, I, it is. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I loved Midsummer, mm-hmm. um, so I, I love his work. I, I like a lot of the things that are coming out now. Well, when you worked with uh, Jordan Peele, yeah. even in a supporting role in Us, yeah. it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah. In that. What was that like? What's it like to work with him? Well, he's just a dream. He's just a dream. He's exactly what you'd hope he'd be, like smart, uh, very funny, very nice. Um, but doing that film was so great. It kind of, cause like, that's when I realized that this genre was really fitting for me because I could do things that were so crazy, you know, like smiling while dragging a knife across my face and <laughs> we all want to do across my face <laughs> yeah. and while laughing and crying at the same time and jordan would just come in and be like fantastic <laughs> and be like that was so funny or that was so great and i was like oh this is like my this is my genre i can do like the this craziest stuff and everyone like is gonna love it <laughs> yeah can you do that now from the other side yeah, <laughs> yeah here it or is. he was like can you look at your husband dying and go from tears to laughing in like 10 seconds. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's try that. So for me, that stuff that's like, I love doing that like really weird, crazy stuff. So I think the like genre kind of thriller thing is my jam. But you always have that mischief in what you do. You know, it's one of the great things. Thank about, you. Well, it's, it's a great thing to have that. You know what? This isn't going to be what you think it's going to be. Thank you. you know? And that's it. When did that start? When did, when was it when you decided that you were going to be an actor that you thought, I can do this? Gosh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that I did a film when I was 10 with Harvey Keitel. And he was a real actor, you know, he was mm-hmm. a serious actor. And he was probably one of the first, like, real serious actors that I had met and worked with. 
and um, he was lovely and so nice. What was this? Uh, it was a film called Imaginary Crimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it was I had like a real part and. I had to do a couple of dramatic scenes, and I think I, I don't know, I just was like, I'd not, it's not like I thought, oh, I'm good at this, I just thought, oh, I really like this, and this is something I think fits me really well. And then that director, Tony Drazen, he actually ended up directing my first episode of The West Wing seven years later. See, it just all... Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it all comes full circle. I know. You grow up on sets, yeah. you know? I mean... Lately, you've been doing so much TV that's been so great that they've calling you the queen of peak TV. <laughs> that's great to have that. Did that nice. come with the crown? <laughs> no. no, you don't. You don't have like a any crown. Of that. Sounds nice. But movies are another thing too, and, and it's yes. great to see you doing that. Thank and you. I also, you people, I saw this one in Shirley, where she plays oh, Shirley Jackson. You see everything. I do. I think that's part of the film critic thing. I guess thing. it is. You they have say, to watch all the you movies. need to see these, Gosh. and sometimes they turn out really good. Yeah. But again, Shirley Jackson, or this version of her that you yeah. play, she wrote the lottery and yeah. other things, is not is leading a kind of Virginia Woolf <laughs> existence. No. Oh, yeah. She's not easy. With her and Michael Stuhlbarg, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Who plays her husband. We we would reference Virginia Woolf all the time. Um, it's a really, she had such an interesting life. Really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. See that? That's the look in your eye. <laughs> That's the thing. Because when you see Elizabeth in Shirley and you see her at a faculty party, you know, jump back. <laughs> fasten your seatbelts. But that was Shirley. A- she was... We really tried to, you know, it's it's not a, it's it's very fictional kind of, as you know, mm-hmm. retelling of, of a part of her life. Um, but Sarah Gubbins wrote this beautiful script, and and it, 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 we really tried to capture her mischief, though, and her 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 kind of, she liked to inflame, you know, she mm-hmm. liked to kind of poke fun at people. And disruptive. She liked to be disruptive. disruptive yeah. yeah. I think disruptive she, is great good. Great joy out of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, the lottery, the, the short story that she wrote, I think to this day, although the fact may have changed, but for a long time, that story in The New Yorker received the most hate mail of any story mm-hmm. ever published in The New Yorker. Well, it will. I guess it's disruptive. It was incredibly <laughs> disruptive. disruptive. People were not, people did not like what she did in that story. They loved the story, but it was very upsetting for people. You seem to have a, an attraction to this kind of thing, which I love. You know, yeah. It's like, I'm not afraid of this. I'll do it. Yeah. It I, doesn't matter. Look at The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I There's do. so I love much. It. I love it. I don't know why. I just, I, I love dark, challenging material. It's what gets me going. Well, maybe in between the next three, you'll do one rom-com or maybe holiday movie. I know. You know, I, I they know. should do that. We're trying to make a Hallmark Christmas movie. and Just um, you saying that is just making me... <laughs> I know. I'm like, Excuse what me? are we going to do with this? It's going to be like somehow dark and upsetting. <laughs> um, ruin it's Hallmark Christmas movies. It's going to be one movies. of the saddest Christmas. I know. It could be really bad. But I would love to do like a smart romantic comedy. Like When Harry Met Sally is my favorite film of all time. And, Re- all time? Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a bold statement. Oh, yeah. I love that film wow. so much. But, you know, you need a really, really good writer. I mean, that was obviously Nora Ephron mm-hmm. was the best. And, 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 you know, you need that kind of writing to do a really good one. So to find a really good script. Well, it's out there. It's I know out that there. It's there are the, a lot of great writers out there. It's definitely out there mm-hmm. to do all that. Yep. 
So what happens to the characters that you played? Where did they go in terms of your head? Where do you store them, you know, <laughs> in your consciousness? I don't. I don't They're store just them. not there. They just go away. Yeah, they just go away. Unless people come up to you and say, talk to me about Mad Men. Yes. And then I bring it back and I have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you say, all right. Yeah. All right, wake up, go talk about it. It's <laughs> what happened. But I, I, I don't store them. And at the same time, they all have really big parts of my personality in them. So there's big parts of What's me in What's the Peggy. one that's closest to you that mm. you've played? Hmm. Hmm. That's so hard because there's... No, it isn't. Come yeah. On. You know it. I can tell when I say <laughs> it that you thought, hmm. I mean, I do think June is the most, is the closest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think she's going through a really kind of rough time. So I, I think that I don't know how, how much... I, I identified with her maybe more in the beginning when she was more <laughs> human. <laughs> um, now she's getting a little rough. But um, there's parts of Peggy that are very, very me, honestly. There's parts of Shirley. When I watch Shirley, I remember going, oh, my God, that's actually me. Like, I have, there's a big part of me that is Shirley. That's how I... <laughs> now I'm just thinking when... when <laughs> behind closed doors. Yeah. Not going to faculty parties. <laughs> Especially Sh- when I'm grumpy and tired. Then the Shirley Jackson comes Shirley out Jackson. and you to do that. Mm. See, well, we don't really want that. No. I'm a little afraid. <laughs> you know, I'm still dealing with this <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. So are you feeling that you're on the right trajectory for you? Is this everything you wanted it to be when you said, I'm going to make this my career? It's more than I actually thought it would be, honestly, because I never, there's a lot of dreams that you can't even dream, you know? I never, I didn't set out to go, I'm going to make, like, a really good horror film or I'm going to be on a show about advertising Mm -hmm. that's going to do really well in the 60s, you know? Like, there's just stuff that, or I'm going to make The Handmaid's Tale, you know, a first-person narrative book that has... No ending, like so. There's there's a lot of things that. Well, no, Margaret Atwood is being and now, another. Now at another the time, point. at that time, it didn't. Yeah. And so, I I didn't think I would ever be in this incredibly lucky position, honestly. And now you're starting to shoot season four soon, yeah. right? Yeah. Are you going Monday? Into the, Monday. So it's actually happening. Actually happening. happening. It's so crazy, and and I mean, I'm texting with Bruce and Dana and. Dana's directing and, you know, just, it's been, yeah, I can't, I, I'm really looking forward to it because we've been talking about it for so long, so I really want to get in there and do I it. I hope Aunt Lydia's back. Well, of course, no one's well, getting rid because, of Anne down. Well, when Anne was here, you know, she she told such wonderful stories that I would never repeat. Oh, I love her so much. But that so she much. was so great. And I bet she if did. If I had to be tortured, and it would be by Aunt Lydia. Right? I mean, you know, could, it be, could be worse. <laughs> it could be way Honestly, worse. She'd tell you great stories She's, while she did while it. While she tortured yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And isn't art. she just like the most the nicest person? Oh no, she is. You just want just, a hug, and I know. life is going to be good. I've ever, she's got the biggest heart. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, she's truly an incredible actor. But Aunt Lydia is scary. I know. That's why she's so she's amazing. She's so great. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a couple of questions we have to take from the outside world of the Twitterverse. All right. Okay. Are you ready for this? Twitter's still going, guys. Despite the trend. Okay. DPSK <laughs> Palin says, have you ever been asked to be in a comic book movie? And what was it? No. I mean, The Kitchen was based on a graphic novel. Um, but no, I've never been asked to, to be in like a, a big one. Yeah, I've never been asked. Well, people, come on. This is 
if she is. Available. You know, she's available, except like she's like be, 10 months shooting Yeah, the, yeah, I'm available four. in like six months. I'd like to be a, a villain or, I don't know, something... I don't know. I bet there's something interesting, I think, to be done there for sure. Oh, there is. Anyway, here we go from Flavio Castellan, who says, what's the Flavio. What <laughs> do you miss most about Mad Men? Oh, uh, Peggy. I miss playing her for sure. See, see, they are there. Yeah. These yeah. characters are still there. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, there's... Someday do you want to go out and just say, I think I'll be Peggy tonight. I know it's a I psychosis. I thought that. I think, <laughs> I think she thought of that question think, and said, how would that sound? I think if once I, I start doing that, you need to like have a chat with me. And yeah, it can't really Maybe be. I need like some time off or something. There was- once I start like, it's very Norma Desmond, like going out and playing characters from my career. It's <laughs> great. On my free time. Okay, here's the last question from here. It's Diana uh, Carvajal28, who says, what was it like to work with Taika Waititi and Michael Fassbender on Next Goal Wins. Could you tell us something funny or surprising that happened Absolutely. during filming? Absolutely. Taika was just so much fun to work with. Like, I don't know if it's like this on every film of his. Our film is is funny, and it, it's he was so much fun. There was a lot of improv, a lot of, um, okay, try this. Okay, all right, uh, let's try this. Like, he just, he laughs harder than anybody at what you're doing. Um, he's entertained more than anyone. It was honestly not a job. It was so much fun. The surprising thing is Fassbender is a genius at comedy and improv. He is pretty funny. Which I had no idea. Um, he was so... We would do a scene, and he would have to say a line at the beginning of the scene as we were walking in. He would say a line to me. Every single take, it was a different line. An incredibly intelligent and a great joke. Every single time. And we were at a party, and I was like you do that and he was like well I was trying to impress you it was your first day <laughs> and I was I'm like, out of jokes I don't next- think that's true <laughs> but thanks but yeah I was really I don't know he, I consider him a, a serious actor and obviously a very very good one I didn't know he was so good at comedy. So this will be the fun side of you that we'll see? Maybe, yeah. It's not a Hallmark Christmas movie no. though, is it? No, I but think it'll this- be a, a funner side <laughs> And then French Dispatch will be fun. When you said that, that's right, Wes Anderson, too. That's a fun side. Right? And that's like in little segments and it's... Yeah. And who do you play in that? Um, I don't know if I can say. Oh, I'm, I, I'm so scared to say anything. That's right. It's terrifying to work in this business. Really, because, <laughs> you're know, like, you can't say that. Well, you just who are you in The Handmaid's Tale? Right, exactly. Could you be a handmaid? Right. No. I just don't want to say anything that, that the director hasn't himself said because I feel like that's a good guide. So, I, you know, you, all that's in the trailer is all I feel like I can talk about. Uh-uh. <laughs> and that's pretty mysterious, yeah. too. Yeah. All right. That means you just need to see it. Yeah. But you know, as we always end the show in song, oh, you could sing I forgot about what that. you're feeling about it. How some people do try to forget about it, but oh, I don't I let them. Oh, what can I sing? What would you? What's in your head? What do you listen to while you're shooting a movie like The Invisible Man? Oh my God, I can't sing any of that. <laughs> yeah. It's all like Hitchcock music it, it a, and ah, Johan mm, Johansson, it, like you know the composer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no one wants me to sing that. <laughs> Um, I kind of did. But, oh, I don't know. You think of something. No, something, maybe something you sang or you it was sung to you when you were a child. Oh. Something that's like that, that's the opposite of what you have to go through. You know what came to mind is not that at all. I'm sorry, but um, 
I, I ran into, I got to meet the Go-Go's really? recently at Sundance um, when I was there with Shirley. Mm-hmm. And I sort of was, I was, I, I kind of stumbled out to Belinda Carlisle, like, I sang your song in, on, uh, on my show. And I don't know if she knew what I was talking about and thought I was crazy, but I, I sang Heaven is a Place on Earth quite a bit in episode nine. Um, Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I wasn't that smiley when <laughs> I sang it in the show. <laughs> no. I was probably crying. This was it. But no, we got the smile. Yeah. But people, you go out and see The Invisible Man immediately. And just watch magic happen because oh, that's what happens. Thank you. Peter. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always you. so nice to see you. you.